I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to his fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. This is the word of the Lord. Marcus Borg, in his book, The Heart of Christianity, tells the story of a three-year-old girl who was very excited to have her parents bring home a new baby brother. When the blessed day came and it was time for the little baby to come home from the hospital, this girl was just about beside herself. The first thing she asked of her parents once they had become settled was, is it okay if I have some time alone with the baby? And some of you who have three-year-olds might think that may not be the safest choice. What is this child aiming to do with this invader who's changed my whole world with eight pounds of flesh? But the parents thought about it and decided we do have a baby monitor in the room. And if this little girl means any ill will, we'll be able to zip right in there if anything goes awry. Well, they left her alone in the room. They closed the door and they went to the listening station. And they heard her lean over the crib and say, Tell me about God. It's been so long I've almost forgotten. Tell me about God. What's God like? It's been so long I've almost forgotten. Well, Jesus came to tell us about God in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways we had almost forgotten. And the stories we read from the Bible, written down by believers who wanted to remind us what God was like, give us a picture of what God looks like. And for those who read the New Testament, manifest in Jesus. As Christians, we believe that Jesus is the revelation of God's character and passion. He's a picture of what God is like and of what the heart of God is like. The portion of the Gospel of John we read today gives us a metaphor of who Jesus is, a metaphor for the heart of God in the picture of a shepherd. Jesus differentiates between the actual shepherd and someone who serves as a hired hand. The main difference is that the hired hand would opt to preserve his own well-being if there were a crisis at the expense of the sheep, whereas the real shepherd would give everything to make sure that the sheep were taken care of and protected. Dr. Gail O'Day, one of my favorite theologians to read when I'm putting together a sermon, points out in her writings that Jesus is the good shepherd, not simply because of his relationship to the sheep, but also because of his relationship to God. Jesus just isn't a really nice guy who is conscientious and takes his job seriously. He does his job because he was called to do it by the Father Almighty. It's good to be a sheep when you aren't watched over merely by a hired hand. 
It's good to be a sheep when you've got a shepherd like Jesus. Any of you who read the Upper Room Devotional Guide will recognize the name of Mary Lou Redding as the editor-in-chief of that publishing house. Not Mary Lou Retton, uh, who does backflips and uh, doesn't hurt herself. That's an Olympic star. But Mary Lou Redding uh, worked many years ago at Oral Roberts University as an adjunct professor of English alongside my mother. When I was three years old, the two of them, plus another teacher and my sister, were able to go to a teacher's conference in Laramie, Wyoming at the university there. These are some of my earliest memories in life since I was three years old at the time. and They're very vivid, but they're very spotty. I remember being very jealous of my sister, who was nine at the time. I had a small purse with a short strap, and she had a big purse with a long strap. And I thought I needed to have a long strap on my purse, too, for the essential things a three-year-old carries, like crayons and cherry chapstick, things like that. I remember wearing matching shirts with my sister that my mother had made through the stretch and sew class. Remember stretch and sew? We were so cute with our little purses and our shirts. And I remember getting trapped in an elevator in the dorm where we were staying because I was too short to reach the button panel. And you know that's been an awful long time. I still think that's why I have problems with claustrophobia. I thought I was going to die in Wyoming in the elevator. But one of the most interesting memories of that week for me was seeing an actual shepherd there in the hills of Wyoming. This is an important factor, so I'm going to tell you. Mary Lou Redding that night was wearing a white raincoat, kind of a shiny, bright, white raincoat because it was misting just a little bit. And we had left the campus and driven a little bit out into the country, saw this sunset going down behind the mountains and everything was beautiful and the colors were all changing and kind of kind of dusky and hard to see, but we did make out a shepherd and a bunch of sheep spotted along the hill. And Mary Lou Redding decided we should go up and get a closer look at these sheep. So we hustled up there with our cameras and the shepherd came running toward us and said, your white raincoat is frightening my sheep. And I don't know if it was the light reflected off the raincoat or just the brightness of it or maybe our mere presence with our cameras and so forth. He didn't care about offending us. He didn't care that we were from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Earl Roberts University. All he cared was, you're frightening my sheep, and they're going to run off, and they are my responsibility, and I care more about them than I do you people. We learned our lesson. We climbed back into the orange Toyota station wagon and drove back to the campus. It's good to be a sheep when you've got a good shepherd. It makes me think about other models in our lives that have to do with caregiving. Bill gave a beautiful prayer about Jesus as mother figure. And I think that's easy to see, the relationship between the shepherd figure and the mother figure. We don't always talk about Jesus, who was a man, as being our maternal figure. But I'd like to work with that a little bit today. Jesus, in so many regards, is an example for what mothers can be. Those who lay down their lives, look after the flock, and take responsibility for each one. It's the other people who run off when things get scary or difficult. It's the mother who typically stays in till the end. Andrew Harvey is a fellow at All Souls College at Oxford University and, of course, the author of over 30 books, one of which I bought this weekend. He writes about comparative religion and sacred activism. And he comments in his book, The Return of the Mother, 
that the image of Jesus as a mothering figure goes back at least as far as the Middle Ages, so it's not a new idea, and unfortunately I didn't come up with it. St. Anselm of Canterbury wrote the following. Jesus, good Lord, are you not also a mother? Are you not like that mother who, like a hen, collects her children under her wings? Truly, Master, you are a mother. For what others have conceived and given birth to, they have received from you. You gather under your wings your little ones. Your dead chicks seek refuge under your wings. By your gentleness, those who are hurt are comforted by your perfume. The despairing are reformed. Your warmth resuscitates the dead. Mother's Day is a day for all of us. Even those of us who aren't mothers or who do not have a good relationship or any relationship with our own mothers. And I am not one. I don't have children, but I do have a good relationship with my mother. Other people don't. I mean, other people have a great relationship with my mother. <laughs> Close up on Sue Venable. Um, everyone loves my mother, and so do I. Um, but not everyone has a great relationship with his or her own mother, and we do acknowledge that on Mother's Day. We can all say that we had a mother. We had to have had a mother somewhere along the way because human conception is impossible without the contributions of male and female, whether that happened in the traditional way in your own home or in a laboratory setting or a doctor's office. But Mother's Day gets tricky in the situations where the mother was not present or the mother abandoned us or the mother is an unknown figure with whom we will never be able to have a relationship. Mother's Day is also hard for those women who don't have children and desperately want children or for those mothers who've had the unnatural experience of losing a child to an untimely death or even worse, to estrangement. So it's a difficult day for some. I still hold out hope that one of these days it'll happen to me, but in the meantime, I channel my maternal energies into the care and feeding of two cats, Tootsie and Travis, who had very hard lives before I welcomed them into my home. To give you a picture of that, they have seven legs between them. Think about it. Think about it. Seven legs, two cats. They've had hard lives, but the living is easy now for them in their urban apartment that I have furnished with an eye towards what their needs might be. I know they can tell I'm not a cat, but what I also know is they know I am their mother, right? I love them even when they bite me or spill the cat food on the counter when I'm not there or take vengeance on a dirty pile of laundry ignored in the corner. Cat owners know what I'm talking about. I see this as a beginning training ground for a two-legged animal that might come into my home at some time later. So if we aren't mothers or we are mothers with painful realities to live with or we are children of mothers who are no longer in the picture or we're never known, how do we celebrate Mother's Day? Well, one way to do it is to look into what's most precious about motherhood and implement that in the other relationships in our lives. How can we bring the best of motherhood to our friendships, for example? How can we bring the best of motherhood to our romantic relationships? It's a stretch. can happen. How do we bring the best of motherhood to our relationships with older and younger family members who aren't our children or our parents? And how can we bring the best of motherhood to our relationships with the people we run into every day? 
the cashier, the bank teller, the person in the turnpike booth, or the letter carrier? How do we take the best of how Jesus mothered us, if you will, and incorporate that into our daily relationships? I've spent the last three days at a conference here in Tulsa called Sacred Activism, The Power of Inclusion. It was an ecumenical event and one of those mountaintop experiences. I'm totally bummed that it's over. Happy to be here today, but I'm totally bummed. It's like going to district camp the day after district camp. I'll never see my friends again. Um, Wonderful speeches. There was so much good information. It was almost overwhelming in a good way. It had some major theological celebrities from all walks of life. And one of them was Andrew Harvey, whom I just quoted. Another one was Caroline Mace who is a medical intuitive, and that may not be a term you're familiar familiar with. She's a pioneer of examining how our spiritual lives lay against our medical problems and intertwine with our physical lives. And she's done great things for people's ideas of healing and how our own attitudes will help our healing process. She describes the model of motherhood, which is clearly an ideal that even the best mothers achieve. But the ideal would be this. The mother is the life giver, the source of nurturing and nourishment, the unconditional fountain of love, patience, devotion, caring, and unselfish acts. She is the keeper and protector of life, from children to the family to the earth and all life. It's good to be a sheep when your shepherd fits into the model of the perfect mother. It's good to be a sheep when your shepherd is the Christ, a figure also known for his unconditional fountain of love, patience, devotion, caring, and unselfish acts. It's good to be a sheep when you have a person who is the incarnation of the Almighty God, after which to model yourself. Carolyn Mace goes on to say that connections to the mother model are not to be measured only by whether a woman is a biological mother. If you are intimately connected to nurturing and protecting the environment, for example, maybe you're a gardener or a farmer, or you support any life form, you should consider yourself a proponent of Mother Nature, and you are a devotee of the nurturing of nature around you. You may see yourself as a mother in that you have given birth to books or ideas or services or programs that benefit other people. So, as a so far, not yet, biological mother type person, I like the idea that I can already be a mother to the environment and to the community around me. So, how do we mother the earth? How do we vote in a way that mothers our environment, our schools, and our roads? How do we stand up for things in a way that mothers those who are unable to care for themselves, the least, the last, and the lost? Another featured speaker at this conference was Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who some of you may love and some of you may not love, but if you're a Republican, just remember that he does have a cousin who's a Republican now, so he's an equal opportunity employer. Wherever you stand politically, he was a fascinating speaker to listen to. He spoke for an hour and 45 minutes without a single note and went through three glasses of water, which it was hard to understand how he swallowed that water because he didn't even seem to be breathing. He just went on and on and on with facts and uh, news and inspirational thoughts and all kinds of things, mainly about the environment. I was inspired by what he had to say and the way he said it. He's an excellent speaker with an excellent vocabulary, which always interests me. He used words like countervalent and machinations and eviscerate 
And I thought it would be fun today at lunch uh, when we go for pizza to use those three words in a sentence such as, hey, after we eviscerate this pizza, let's use our machinations to get the waitress to bring us a salad, which is a countervalent menu choice to this meat-laden pizza. How did that go? And even he didn't use those three words in a sentence. That was like three different paragraphs, and I wrote it all down. So it's no wonder that I spend so much time alone. (laughs) Anyway, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. had some scary facts about our environment and about the necessity of all of us to take care of our world and to take a stand. It's good to be the environment when a shepherd is caring for you. It's good to be the world when you have people living up on top of you who love you and want the best for you. Most of you have heard that I'll be leaving my position here to take my own church in Norman, Oklahoma in about three weeks. So for those of you who went to OU, I'm going to Mecca. For those of you who went to OSU, I'm going into the mission field. (laughs) And I went to school out of state. I want everybody to win. I don't care either way, but I do. I have an OU mouse pad now, so it's official. I guess I'm an OU fan. Oh, well, I'm going to pastor a congregation. That's the main thing. And that's a big job. The word pastor derives its significance, really, from the images of Jesus in the Bible as the good shepherd. I'm reminded of my friend Andy Hovland, who in college asked me what it was that made me want to go to seminary and what I liked about the idea of being a minister. And I said, well, Andy, there are all kinds of things that excite me, like mission work and leading small groups and pastoral care. And he said, well, Amy, I didn't know you had any experience with farm animals. Will you be ministering only to sheep or to other kinds of people? Well, working in the church, you do manage to perform a lot of skills in the areas of herding, corralling, and, of course, milking a good pulpit joke. (laughs) I worked on that. But I'm going to be the main shepherd of this place. And it has me thinking about what the best aspects of what shepherding are. What exactly I will need to do to take care of this flock. I'm honored and fortunate to follow a wonderful pastor at St. Stephen's, someone who has served as a district superintendent and will be sorely missed by the congregation. She's brilliant, insightful, caring, and dedicated to the things that those folks over there are most passionate about. She was the first woman in their pulpit, and it's nice not to have to be the first woman in the pulpit, so I will stand on her shoulders. Knowing this congregation and their open-mindedness, however, I doubt that her gender was ever a problem. Some of you have been affiliated with that congregation, and I'm sure they welcomed her with open arms. There will be big shoes for me to fill. Not literally. My feet are much bigger than hers. She's a lovely, petite woman, but it's going to be a big task. Taking care of a congregation is a big job and one that never gets done completely. Even now as an associate... The desk in my office is never totally clean. The programs and the dreams I have for various things that would get on the calendar don't all get put on the calendar 
not because there's a problem with the calendar, but because there's no time to get it all done and all worked in. The needs are never completely met, and the dreams you have for your programming never quite get fulfilled. There just aren't enough hours in the day. It can be disenchanting for all of us. We're all pastors, you know. Everyone here in this room is a pastor. We're all shepherds. We're all mothers of someone or something, some project. And with all the heartbreak in the world, all the illness and injustice and all the environmental problems we're hearing about so much lately, it's easy to get depressed and to think nothing I can do will make any kind of difference. Thursday at noon, back at the conference, Andrew Harvey gave us a rousing call to action. He called us all to be sacred activists, to mother the world in the following five ways. First of all, give thanks to God in your service, however you're serving. Look after yourself so that you can become a strong, clear instrument for God. Serve everyone you meet, for as he said, everyone you encounter, human or animal, is God in costume. Say that again. Everyone you encounter, human or animal, is God in costume. Think globally, act locally, and see the world as a global system, meaning that every little thing you do has a ripple effect. He also said that the greatest thing Christ did while on earth was not necessarily the miracles, the water into wine, the walking on water, and all of those things, but he came to offer us nothing less than his whole life. He came to love us truly and completely. What better way to describe motherhood and to describe how we are all called, male and female, to treat one another and to treat the world's big problems. It's good to be a sheep when your shepherd loves you the way Jesus loved us. It's good to be a sheep when you know the shepherd will lay down his life for you. It's good to be a sheep when the shepherd loves you with a true, divine, authentic love. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to his fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. We all go to different churches. We worship in different places. We wear different labels and worship on different days of the week. We follow different traditions. But in all of that difference and separation, may we all be one flock. May we lay down our lives for each other so that we may take them up again. Tell me about God. I've almost forgotten. What is the heart of God like? And whom are you going to tell about God today? Amen.